0: Good morning, Summit Botany. Good morning, morning, Summit Hastings, if you're there. Empty the pockets. You may have noticed there's a whole lot of bread up the front here. We'll talk about that soon. This is Pascals. Pascals. uh, It was funny, when the the pastoral team came up with the start of this, this brief topical preaching series called Soul Food. It made me immediately think of Pascals. Pascals is a restaurant I've been to in Atlanta in Georgia. It was the restaurant associated with the civil rights movement. This is where Martin Luther King Jr. and his team plotted to change America and the world. They serve soul food. Soul food is not necessarily healthy food, it's fried chicken, it's grits, it's cornbread, it's collard greens, if you know what that is. It's a bit like silverbeet, basically. It is food that is comforting. And I thought it was an interesting association, a revolution that was changing the world and this comforting food. And it's sort of what we're going to be talking about in this series. However, what is on your mind, the elephant in the room? is perhaps not soul food or what we hear about. So I thought, let's talk about coronavirus, COVID-19. Why? Because it's my whole life, is COVID-19. <laughs> Rebecca, my wife and I work in a public, in the Auckland Regional Public Health Unit. It's what we do, day and often night. So I just thought, from a, um, a summit perspective, I thought we should just talk, talk about a few things. Some of it's obvious, isn't it? Some of it we know. The announcements that came out from the Prime Minister yesterday were enormous and have huge implications for us as a country. I thought it was bold, it was strong, and probably what's needed. Wash your hands. You do know this. Do it more than ever before. Soap and water does kill this virus, should it come around. Hand gel is good too, but soap and water is best. If you're sick, you should know this, but church does not trump unwellness. It is great. It is a place of healing. However, if you're sick, please stay away. Let us know that you're unwell so we can pray for you and look out for you. I had to already turn away a few hugs and handshakes this morning, and it felt a bit weird, doesn't it? So, oh, no, but perhaps it is wise after our Prime Minister said, don't do it. So, no hugs and handshakes. It's possible we may need to have online services. We don't know that at the moment. Of course, in Australia, they've stopped gatherings of more than 500 as of Tomorrow. It's a strange old time, isn't it? However, we want to be wise as a church and protect one another with what might come. It's really important that we stay well connected. So important. So, through the the team, through email, through Facebook, we'll just want to keep you connected. So, if you think, actually, I don't know if they've even got my details, make sure you hook in with Mark or Robin, particularly. Even if we've just got your email address or phone number, we'd love to just have you your details. Be aware of you. Keep you informed of what's happening as a church. We will keep you well informed. The team, the the elders, but particularly the pastoral team, are working, they're thinking about this very, very wisely. And do keep reaching out to one another. It's, you know, we're going to talk in this message today about the importance of being a good neighbor, of looking out. A lot of our society is not connected. There's a lot of lonely people out there. There's a lot of scared people out there at a time like this reach out to one another. I was caught up with a friend last week, and it's funny, we, we sort of said we don't talk anymore, and it's kind of weird. We used to, as a, you know, men friends don't necessarily get on the phone and have a chat as much. We used to do that at least monthly, and we've stopped doing that. It's a great thing to do. It's different to social media, just reaching out and having a one-on-one chat, keeping connected to others. However, I saw this on yesterday, and I thought there were some good things in this. Conversations are not canceled. Relationships are not canceled. Love is most definitely not canceled. Songs are not canceled. Reading, reading the word is not canceled. Self-care is not canceled. Hope is, of course, not canceled. This is a time to lean into one another, to be kind, to be neighborly, and care for one another. Things may seem different for a while. That's okay. But um, we never forget that God is unchanging. God, this, God... God cares for us. There's no change in that. So, today's talk soul food. Let's do lunch. Now, you know, many of you are thinking, well, hang on, we just started Exodus. We did three weeks of Exodus, and we've have we forgotten. We only got through two chapters of that or thereabouts. No, and what we decided this year, there's going to be a couple of topical series interspersed. So Exodus, uh, the God is series, is going to carry on throughout the year. So, we thought just to break it up, we'd have a few little topical series. And and so soul food is actually about spiritual disciplines. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but when I hear the term spiritual disciplines, I hear spiritual disciplines. I hear that discipline work. And it somehow overtakes the thing. Does anybody hear that? I think of Miss Trunchbull. I don't know why. If those of you who know Roald Dahl's Matilda, the movie or the stage show... Miss Trunchbull is who, to me, embodies discipline. She has a room she calls chokey. Now, if you're naughty, you go to chokey. And I always think of that if I'm not doing the spiritual disciplines, I will be in chokey or something similar. But of course, that's far from the truth. That's not what the spiritual disciplines are all about at all. What it's about is all about drawing closer to God having that relationship by perhaps having some habits, by perhaps doing things in our life that make that relationship we crave to have with God better and better. Wouldn't you love it if your relationship, maybe it was like that when you first came to Christ, but like the psalmist writes in Psalm 42, I left it with the deer, but as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you. Have you been in that place where you're panting for Christ? You just yearn to spend more and more time. Your soul thirsting for God, the living God, where you just want to go and meet with God at all times. Or that sense of, my, I just want my relationship with God to go from deep to deep, closer and closer and closer. So in this three-week block, and then there's a gap, and back in May, we're going to resume for another three weeks. We're going to look at a whole lot of the different spiritual disciplines, things that may help draw that relationship closer to Christ so that we may also go out into the world. The spiritual disciplines may be sometimes broken into two main groups, those of abstinence, that could include fasting, solitude, even silence. We're gonna talk about some of those. And there are those spiritual disciplines of engagement, those that connect with God, those that connect with others. Some of those may be worship. Some of those are, including prayer. But today, the, t- the team decided to mess it up a little bit and start where you completely wouldn't expect to start. Hospitality. Hmm. Normally, that would rank In fact, some of the books on spiritual disciplines that I was looking through had half a page on hospitality. So those who get to speak on things like prayer and Bible, they get several chapters and I got half a page. But that's okay. In the Greek, hospitality is a love for strangers. So we're going to consider that, but also not just that, because sometimes it's a great big leap to get to a love for strangers when what we want initially is just a love for our neighbor, a love for our family, a love for friends. Again, a little bit of a confession. I think about the word discipline in that way, but also when I read the Great Commission, particularly as a, a child, and many of you also may have seen this. This is out of the King James Version. I've highlighted a couple of words. Go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even until the end of the world. So when you hear that, again, some words might pop. Nations, ends of the world. Oh, that Great Commission is about missionaries. It's about going overseas. It's about going to distant places. When, of course, that wasn't Jesus' intention at all. It was going out to everyone, sharing with everyone. Of course, initially, the Jews struggled with this idea, thinking, what, the Gentiles as well? Yes, the Gentiles as well. This messed up their world entirely, reaching out to all people. In New Zealand, we're not very good at reaching out to people. I found that some of these statistics pretty sobering, really. So these are, these are New Zealand statistics, 44% of the population believe they don't have a supportive neighbor or someone living next door they can call out to? No. That means nearly half of our neighbors, and maybe not your neighbors, but many people's neighbors, don't feel connected. Again, quick confession time. Have you ever had a, a new neighbor move in next door? And you think, oh, there's the moving truck. Gosh, I didn't know the last neighbors were moving out. Oh, there's a lot of people there. They probably don't need my help today. I'll go over soon when it's a bit less busy. Oh, there they are. Hi, hi. And little wave and still don't know who they are. Days, weeks, and months go by and you've had this sense of complete embarrassment. I still don't know my neighbor. Now, can you go over after five months and knock on the door and say, hi, neighbor, I just thought I'd pop by. It just seems weird, doesn't it? We have to get over the weird and actually just do it. Break the ice early because they will appreciate it. One of my, as we, I've got a funny job. I work in the public health unit talking about COVID-19 and also work at the refugee center where I'm very privileged to meet all, many of the new refugees who come into New Zealand and get sent around the country. Two weeks ago, we had their farewell, the, the last camp. We're heading off all around the country. And one of the main speakers said, I just, I just talk, I took this to heart, he said, Now, as you go out into your new homes, go and meet your neighbor. Take some sweets or take some baking. Go and say hello, because chances are they won't necessarily do it to you. But they will appreciate it. If you do that, you've got a friend for life by you having done that. Isn't that a bit of a sad indictment that the new people are being told to do it because we are so rubbish at welcoming new people into our community. (laughs) How about this? We came last when compared to 29 European countries. So not necessarily exactly the same country. A survey we were included of 29 European countries in terms of our social connection and neighborliness. I wondered why this is. Why are we so poor? Is it our slight shyness, our reserve that we're scared to? Is it because many people actually, and you know the statistic, many Kiwis actually move very frequently. I think the average is about every seven years people move home. We've been in our house now for 17 years, we're coming on 17 years. We're the longest residents in our little cul-de-sac, which is fantastic. We were the, you know, 17 years ago we were the newest and many of those people had been there for many, many years. But we're not, we're quite a mobile population. We can do better to overcome those barriers. And not only that, people want to know their neighbor. They're not just thinking, oh I'm shy, I don't want to know. They're not just putting up barricades because actually one in three, according to uh, YMCA's little study, actually want to know their neighbor, but don't. We can be part of that. We can actually break down some of those barriers, overcoming um, perhaps our own limitations, our own fears, and actually do it. Always think of this story, For Jesus told this parable. And um, no, no, yeah. Not really a parable, well. truly I tell whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters, you did for me. When we're reaching out through others, it's unto Jesus, unto Christ. I was hungry. You gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, nothing to drink. You did, when I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. I needed clothes. You did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison. You didn't look after me. Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do. For me. It's hard, isn't it? Thinking, gosh, it doing to others as if unto Christ. Or the writer of the Hebrews, who we're not exactly certain, says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Have you reached out to a stranger with actually no intention to get anything back because there usually isn't and just knew that was the right thing. Have you had opportunities when you could have done it but didn't? It's actually amazing. I I don't know if I've said this before. It was simply some months ago I was at the warehouse and someone couldn't afford to buy what what they had in their trolley and I thought, oh, I've got to do something about that. And and he didn't know how to do it. Usually you pay for the person behind you in the queue rather than the person in front of you. But somehow I did and managed to take it to them and live it and and run away. (laughs) And and they looked, who was that weirdo who just gave me the shopping? But it was kind of cool. We probably aren't do that enough. And I know I certainly don't do that enough. Paul writing to the Romans says, when God's children are in need, you be the one to help them out get into the habit of inviting guests home for dinner, or if they need lodging for the night. Has anybody done the Camino Way and through Spain? It's this amazing, good, I won't, that's great, because then I won't be able to, I'll get it wrong, so that's fine. Um, it's this famous pilgrimage that typically Catholics too. This is the, the path that supposedly James's bones were carried on. And over history, many of people are now mostly tourists. But historically, this and other pilgrimages have been the way people traveled on their journey of spirituality. Along the way, people opened up, there were guest houses, and people welcomed the Pilgrims in with open arms saying, "Here is food, here is shelter." Along the way, people got sick because there were often sick people traveling for their spiritual journey. They opened up hospitals. Now, hospitals are very different, even only in the last century. Of course, hospitals are a place where you expect to go and often get well. Doctors can give you medicines or do an operation or do something clever. The nurse, but the nurses care for you and also are actively involved. But historically, hospitals weren't like that at all. Hospitals, until quite recently, were places you went because you just needed to Be and either die or perhaps recover. And the nurse mopped your feverish brow, and many things happened, but the doctor had absolutely nothing to offer. There was no good medicine or anything at all. Probably a lot of tutting and a whole lot of strange potions. But it was the nurses particularly who offered care and comfort. And that's what these people were given for free. No charge at all. So here are some pictures probably of the Camino way or other pilgrimages that we go on, people go walking on on their spiritual journey. Talking of journeys, of course, um, Jesus told this parable, the parable of the talents. It'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants, and you know this well, he entrusted his wealth to them. To, To one, he gave five bags of gold or five units, to another two, to another one, and the people went away, and when the master came back, he said, what have you done with the talents I gave you? And one said, I've, you know, I've doubled it. He said, well done. To the other, I've also done well. It's, it's increased in size. And to the third who just buried his talent in the ground, and said, I didn't know what to do with it. I wasn't enough. I didn't get as much as the others. He really rebuked and sent away. How often do we just think, oh, I don't have enough? Perhaps my house isn't fancy enough. I'm worried about hospitality. I'm worried about perhaps I can't give of what God has given me. But this parable reminds us whatever we have, we have something to offer unto others. And so we're gonna look at a little bit about that. And we should do it, as Peter writes, without grumbling, to use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. So I thought as we think about how we can give hospitality unto others, both people who are near us and people who are perhaps strangers, we're not all the same. So I thought, well, let's break them up into into little groups. When should we reach out? And I read this in a great book and I thought, well, when is the moment to actually have gone across to see that new neighbor? To go and see that person who who walks past when I'm putting up the wheelie bin on a Wednesday night. To, to stop and see people. And the, the answer that came up in the books I read was, always. Wow. In other words, to make the effort, because if we try and put a line in the sand and say, oh, I'll go then and I won't go then, and we probably won't do it at all. So when, the, when you're pulling into the driveway and the neighbors out there to stop, Stop what you're doing and just have that conversation. And if you create a habit of doing it, certainly a whole lot more than we currently do it, amazing doors and opportunities and conversations will open. And a small caveat on that, when we're offering hospitality and getting to know people better, people see through our Christian ways very quickly. They will quickly notice if you're trying to get to a gospel message and save them in the first moment. It doesn't work. You'll have all had people where you think, "Oh, I, I'm sure there's a..." And so we're actually later in the year, actually also going to talk about ways um, to do that as well, to raise, to reach out to to others. But if you can think, "I'm going to take that opportunity. I'm going to speak to that person. I'm going to invite them into our home," you'll be amazed what opportunities God gives you to speak. Be prepared to have an answer because things will come up. Sometimes people say, "I noticed you." Drive out of your driveway at about nine forty-five most Sunday mornings. Do you go to church? People notice that. People are probably actually watching you because the greatest um, people, mo- most people who come to church or who come to Christ, isn't because they're going to suddenly turn up here on a Sunday. Now they're going to be watching your lives. They're going to have been noticing and saying, "I think those people are number eight. I think they're Christians or something." I'm watching. They are watching you. Okay. So let's have a look at how we could live this out. Let's have a look at a few examples. You could be the restaurant here. You could be the person that, this is the typical, who offers food. This is a fantastic way. Food, as you know, is the Christian vice. May not drink, may not smoke, may not do lots of other naughty things, but typically we... It's true, isn't it? That's true. So... You don't have to, and it's so important. Many people say, oh, I can't cook like Jamie or Nigella. I think some of those cooking shows have actually damaged hospitality because people's (laughs) expectations are suddenly ramped up a knot. No, no, that's not what it's all about. Food is a way of inviting people in, of of having good conversation, of talking (laughs) about what life is all about. So don't feel you've got to put on a gourmet thing. Don't feel it's got to be sort of reciprocating. Open... Some things actually recommend, and this is true. If you invite people and you think, oh, the kids are, it's bedtime, and the kids go, oh, there's a nudie running past from bath time, and you know, there's all sorts of things that happen in a normal house. That's good, because that is real. They worship together. This is the act Church. Wouldn't you have loved to just go back in time and just have a part of the Acts 2 church, just to live in that moment for a while? They worshiped together regularly at the temple. They met in small groups in their homes for communion. They shared meals with great joy and thankfulness. Wouldn't that have been a great moment? We had a friend, we still have a friend, but we've got one friend, and he, he had this fabulous idea about a decade ago. All of our families were going to form basically a commune. Now, he didn't call it that, but it was that. And so when you thought about it like that, it sounded a very bad idea. However, the idea he had was this, it was getting together of sharing of living together and inviting other people in to share in that good thing. Okay, so here we go, it's experiment time. Many of you come to church, now I don't know this really, I haven't done a survey, but I'm just saying, many of you come to church thinking, I would love to invite someone home to lunch. I'm not prepared to just go the next step and think I'm going to invite a complete stranger into my house. That's step three. I'm going to go church person, neighbor, complete stranger. That's okay. So, but many of you, and you may remember this from days gone by when people typically after church, it was more life had a different pace, perhaps. We may be entering those days, but. (laughs) It's true. However, you may be thinking, I'd love to invite a family over to lunch, and it won't be a fancy meal, but I'd love to get to know some people in the church I don't even know. This is your opportunity. Husbands, check with your wives first. Children, ask your parents first. <laughs> However, what we have today, and I don't know if Mandy and Nick are available, uh, spontaneous. So, what we have are some cards. Now, if you think oh, I can't host anybody for lunch today, Gosh, I'd love to go over to someone's house for lunch. That might be an opportunity. I don't know if this is going to work. This isn't pre-planned. What I'm going to do, we're going to have is see if we've got guest cards and host cards. Fill in your details. There's a few extra pens if you think, I think I could do this. This is today. This is like 12.45 today, where you could say, I think I'm going to do this. We may not be able to do this next week. COVID-19 might take over the world. We can do this today, and we're going to wash our hands. So you may think... (laughs) It is time where I am gonna be bold and say, come into my place, come into my oasis. Don't sit on my stressless recliner, but come into my place. I say that because I say that in jest, but what I, a, lot of the people, a lot of people actually are wary of people. People find their home, their shelter, their cavern, their place where that's for them. That's not what it's all about. Remember, God gave us everything. So you may think, I'm gonna try this. If it works well, please let Robin or Mark or someone know, uh, Robin at summitchurch.nz, he'd love to hear your story of how your lunch went. Now, if nobody does this, that's fine. At least we've sown an idea. What we would love you to do if you are doing it, do take some bread. If you might be thinking, I'm going to just get some soup, or I'm going to buy some ham and some salad, or from the supermarket on the way. What if, Do it simple. This is not gourmet style. But if you think, yeah, let's just do this. Let's just see if this works. Let's go do messy church. Let's see if we can have it. So if anybody, what we've got is just a few cards to pass down. Don't feel embarrassed. Um, you know, if you, many of you, this won't be possible. We get that. I understand that completely. But if you think, let's give it a crack. Put your name down, fill in the details, and then we'll just see if we can match people. If you have been involved, some of you, um, if you could come down to the front at the end, and we'll just sort of find your buddy if we can. So please forgive us if it's a disaster, but let's give it a crack. Okay, hand out the cards. Right, so you might think, no, no way, that's not me, that's so uncomfortable. You might think, I got into that, but I do care for people, I love people, I want to look after people. I've called that the nurse or the, or the doctor. You know, we're all hurting, we've all got needs and wants and desires, and some people lack, as we said, a lot of people are lonely and don't have anybody to share those concerns with. You may be the nurse or doctor reaching out to others and saying, hey, how can I help you? And you may offer them a cup of tea or coffee. You may just pop over to the fence and knock on the door and say, hey, how's it going? We don't do that enough. In Luke it says it's better to invite those who have never get an invitation. Invite the poor, not necessarily to your banquet, just into your home, into your garden. Walk around your garden if you have one and tell your neighbor what the plants are. It's quite fascinating to learn. Hear their story. We've got some amazing neighbors. We're very fortunate. And I love talking to our neighbors. One is from Japan. One is from Norway. They're wonderful people. And, um, and I just love hearing their stories of where they're from. That's how this journey begins. Brief stories, encounters. People would not necessarily repay the favor. You can't expect that. But having done so, having done that, you will experience a great blessing. So we've got the restaurateur, the people who welcome people who offer food. We've got those who just want to share it, as as was mentioned last week. Within our church community, we've got this, this pastoral care team who are keen within our church community to reach out to others. And then we've got the ambassador. Now the ambassador, if you know what an ambassador is, People are ambassadors in New Zealand and ambassadors, but when you, an ambassador within their embassy is not part of that country. You'll have heard people seeking refuge, infamous people seeking refuge in embassies around the world. It doesn't go down very well if you hang around at an embassy for a few years seeking, um, ice, seeking um, asylum. asylum, thank you. So, but have you ever thought of your home as an embassy? Because when we enter the doors, we're leaving New Zealand. We're leaving Auckland. We're leaving Howitt, Bucklands Beach, Pakeranga, And when we come into our home, this is a place where God lives. There, should, there is usually a flavor and an aroma. And when people come in, they may sense there's something different about this place. It doesn't mean you've got a cross in you know, every single wall of the house or you know, various things. No, it's not about that. But this is a place where God dwells. Do you ever stop and think about, actually, this is my home. But actually, I'm someone, uh, this is just for a season of life on the way to eternity. You may think, I can actually act as Christ's ambassador in this place. And if we go with that attitude and think of it as an ambassador, and it's very biblical to do so, again, lives can be impacted. Paul writing to the Corinthians, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is using us to speak to you. We beg you as though Christ himself were pleading with you. Receive the love he offers you, be reconciled to God. So we have the the restaurateur, the person offering food. We have the doctors and nurses offering healing. We have those who have the sense that of God's ambassadors and you can be all three. But we also have the humble servant. Those who just get down on their knees, who open the word and say, God, just use me as you would. I may be shy or nervous, but help me be bold to reach out when I see need, but not just when I see need, because everybody is needy, to reach out to others. Perhaps it's having conversations in the workplace. It's being sensitive to when people are perhaps not themselves. Just showing God's love, because that is the only way people will see it, through Christian people. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. If you don't expect to see lives saved, people coming to Christ unless we reach out to others. It won't happen just by magic. We have to offer and reach out to a hurting world. The famous theologian preacher Charles Spurgeon wrote this, and it's really uncomfortable words, but every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. What he says is you can't be on the fence. You're either acting, doing the Great Commission, reaching out to a hurting world, or you're not following Christ's command. So through the series, the three weeks now, and then the little bit of a, a gap, and then um, another three weeks in May, the team are going to offer you out, and they can, I think they're going to be handed out soon, actually, these recipe cards These are something to take away and maybe make a little book of six or something. Just things to remember. On it are some ingredients and some directions. So think about what do you need to take away. Dwell on it. Talk about it as a family. What are some ingredients and what are some things I can take away? Perhaps I am going to each month sit down at home and say, who are we going to invite into our home on a monthly basis? Because it won't happen unless you timetable it. What am I gonna do to reach out to my colleagues at work, school or university? As we know, some of the best evangelists are children and uni students. That is a fertile ground to reach out to a hurting world. Right, so can we, I don't know if any of those cards have been filled out or anything. Some of you are still dwelling on it, thanks. So what we're gonna do is hand out the recipe cards and I don't know if we've got any of the other cards to to bring in, have we got any of those? So we'll just see if we've got any of the, um, the host and guest cards, uh, we'll just see if there's any of those to bring up to the front. Because that's why I bought my stapler. <laughs> this was my stapler to see if I could find hosts and guests to put together. <laughs> One of the best books, there's a few great books I've read in the course of the last couple of weeks. But the world learns about God not by watching Christian movies. Who watches Christian movies? Christians watch Christian movies. The world watches learns about Christians by watching Christians. And so remember that. Thank you. Oh fantastic. We've actually we've actually got some coming. Fabulous. This is brilliant. I don't, I don't want to embarrass you, but let's have a look. <laughs> That's fine. We've got more hosts than guests, people. Fabulous. We've got far more hosts than guests, people. Great. I haven't got a complete match yet. Wow, this is, some people have offered, this is, I'm not going to say names, some people have said, I could have up to 20 people come to lunch today. So that's the, that's the wow. Uh, which one's the, we've got more. Okay, we've, we could potentially, between this, have about 50 people hosted for lunch. So if you, if you haven't thought, actually, I could go along to someone's for lunch today, do come in for the 4 they'd love to hear from you, Brilliant. Remember, there's heaps of bread rolls. <laughs> yeah. So if you've got your name down, we have got your name, um, um, you've got your number. But it might be easiest if you come up the front. But thanks for being part of this experiment. Again, we'd love to hear how it goes. Part of our church DNA is about building bridges, not walls both within our community and out into the world. And if we can continue to do so and have this wider view, again, especially at this time when people are scared and hurting and not going out. You may just, this is a time to even put something, let's go radical, let's say, you may do a letterbox drop in in your area of the street and say, look, let's just have a community, let's just be aware who's on our part of the street. That's just just a people, people thing. That's not necessarily a Christian thing, that's just reaching out and caring for others. Think about how you can build bridges, not walls. And to conclude, I love this quote, again from one of the best books I read, the greatest way, the simplest way to change the world. The world could use more ordinary Christians opening their ordinary lives so others could see what light and light of the gospel looks like. Wouldn't that be amazing if we could be true salt and light, be Jesus' hands and feet unto our communities just because we know that that's what God, and we actually desire to do it. To get to that place where deep calls to deep, where you just say, I want, I'm i just a missionary for Christ in this community where I am right now. Can we just pray as the, um, as the band comes up? Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that is rich with commandments and things that speak to us anew. Father God, as a community, we are actually lost our ways. I think Kiwis historically were great at hospitality, but I think we've lost our way a little bit. May we as a church community reach out to others, within our community, within our church family, to family and friends, particularly at this time. But more than that, to our street, to our neighbours, to our colleagues. And may we be that salt and light. May we, may people look and say, hey, they've got something different in their life. I want part of that. And may we be able to tell our story honestly of why believe, why we believe what we do and that it's all about you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this church, both um, Summit Church here in Botany and Hastings. And may we go, truly go out into the world building bridges, not walls. Amen. Brent,